Warning. The interview you are about to hear will be difficult for the faint of heart. And yet, this is a conversation that needed to be had. A conversation that, despite its nature, everyone should hear. I had the privilege of once again speaking with veteran investigative reporter John Rappaport about the recent stories of sexual abuse. I wanted to get John's weigh-in on what, if anything, may exist behind and beyond the headlines. But the conversation went much further. What was woven was a tangled, interconnected web of corruption, collusion, and all-out deception. And, by all accounts, it is we, the people, who are being deceived on a scale unimaginable. Listen in. John, I want to first thank you for coming on on such short notice. But, you know, I have to tell you, as I've been watching the absolute wall-to-wall coverage of sexual assault and abuse allegations for the last two months, watching a set of stories just snowball after the October 5th, quote, bombshell about Harvey Weinstein, and knowing how the media operates, particularly when you have a theme that's sustained for so long, there's got to be something more to it. And who better to weigh in on that, and particularly why now, is you, Mr. John Rappaport. So thank you so much for agreeing to have this chat. My pleasure. Well, listen, I did a little quick investigating earlier today because I wanted to see how local news markets, uh, specifically the top 10 major news markets, were reporting their own stories with a similar theme. And as suspected, after going to each and every major market, uh, not one news outlet was not reporting on a story or more of a sexual assault situation happening locally. So if you and the audience would indulge me, let me read you some quick headlines from each of these markets. These are the top 10 major news markets. Then I'd like to start our conversation about what's really going on. So here goes. Bear with me here. I'll, I'll read through them quickly. New York, New York. Met Opera suspends Levine over sex misconduct allegations. Los Angeles. Stanford University swimmer Brock Turner appeals conviction, requests new trial in sexual assault case. Chicago. Now, this story was reportedly uh, locally, uh, it was reported locally, but out of Riverside, California. The headline reads, 18-year-old confesses to molesting more than 50 kids over several years. Philadelphia, teacher, 28, arrested for having sex with 16-year-old South Jersey student. Dallas-Fort Worth, GOP congressman used public funds to settle claim of sexual harassment brought by his former spokesman. San Francisco, former aide at San Carlos Elementary School, rearrested after third victim comes forward about inappropriate touching. Washington, D.C., University of Virginia professor accused of sexual harassment, dropped from classes. And right where I am in Boston, Rosenberg steps down as Senate president during investigation of allegations of sexual assault against his husband, Byron Hefner. Almost there. Atlanta. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has been doing a recent investigation into predatory doctors and sexual assault. And finally, Houston, Precinct 3 chief deputy fired after sexual harassment complaints. Whew. <laughs> Would it be fair to say, John, that there this is more than a coincidence, that there's something bigger going on? And if so, what? Well, I think there certainly is something bigger going on. First of all, bigger has nothing to do with the truth or falsity of any given claim. Uh, the fact that these people are guilty is the first thing that you see, mm-hmm. uh, whether they are or not. And if they are, then they are. That's it. That's the crime, wherever there is a crime. So that is not to say, therefore, that the uh, news media are making this stuff up. Oh, no. No, no, no. Far from it. Mm -hmm. But then we have, I think, several levels of this. Uh, On the level of cultural programming, which is always foremost in media and propaganda and social sciences, as I wrote a couple of weeks ago, the future of sex is going to be more formalized, which means more mechanical in the sense of, 
you know, consent, how is consent going to be arranged and defined between two people before they have sex so that there is no danger of accusation or prosecution, uh, the relations between sexual partners is going to be more uh, extensive and formal, and even therefore the act of sex could become more formal. Hmm. In other words, it's an attempt to mechanize life and life processes. That is a facet of technocratic and transhumanist agendas hmm. for a long time now. We saw it with uh, the so-called AIDS crisis. We saw it with um, other accusations of uh, sexual abuse that have sprung up for a long time in the press. And we've seen it with uh, what used to be called uh, the, the war between men and women. What is acceptable practice in terms of making uh, sexual statements and moves and so forth in the process of two people having sex who've never had sex before. And so I see all of this playing into that cultural programming, which to me is one of the top uh, items involved in trying to culturally program the society to become less than human and less than alive, less than spontaneous. Um, that's just not simply fallout from all of these stories, which it is, but in the background for a long time, not just in this arena, but in many arenas, I've seen this sense of the programming of the population mm -hmm. to be less human and more machine-like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's mm. that's high on the, very high on the list. Okay. Well, then we, politically mm. we would have okay. Well, what is this all about? And I would just suggest that the media are priming themselves to say, "Look, we have been more than fair in coverage of all of these stories." Uh, you can see that because we've been um, eating our own, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, etc., and so on. So you can't accuse us of trying to overemphasize this story or taking it in a direction that looks partisan. Many of these people that we're accusing are on the left politically and Democrats and so forth. Sure. And so when we build this wave high enough with enough stories of all of these people and have reached what could be looked at as a peak, we're going to put Donald Trump on the top of that peak. Mm, and then we're going to say, he's the guy. Yeah. Here it is. These okay. are the women. Here are their lawyers. This is what they have to say. And boom, that's... You know, yeah. That's uh, very interesting. That is not the first I've heard. I haven't heard that too much, but certainly in alternative circles, we're starting to, to, to for those that are looking at this, is it's leading to something that that could be it. So l let's keep that on the table. I want to propose a few things to you, John. Um, uh, I, I was recently a guest on his, uh, we both know Jimmy Church and Fade to Black. I was on his show last Tuesday, where among other things, I touched on this whole sexual harassment string of headlines. And I posed the question, this is just one something I want to throw, toss into the ring. Could it be that one of the reasons, among several, for keeping these stories alive for so long and growing by the day is as a tool of distraction for something that they don't want us to look at or look into, i.e., Las Vegas, as an example? Now, I want to say for the record that uh, you and I have spoken about propaganda operations in the past. And I'll never forget something you said, and I'm going to paraphrase more or less. You said, whenever substantial resources are poured into any operation, there has to be more than one expected outcome. So in assuming that there's only one goal to be achieved, uh, if there is a goal here, 
it would probably be naive to assume that distraction is the only objective, right? I mean, you're, you just proposed something else. But I'm assuming, I always remember when you said this to me, John, there are multiple objectives that, that are, you know, that tend to be uh, sought after. Agreed. Absolutely. And I would say that that's true. And I would say that Las Vegas is one of those uh, issues because in this particular case, enough people have come forward as witnesses and there are enough uh, absurdities and contradictions in the official scenario that the story as told by the police, but mainly the FBI, just doesn't hold water. Mm -hmm. The idea of the lone shooter in one location with maybe two windows and gigantic number of weapons and ammunition and so forth. Uh, that, ju that story is not holding up at all. No. So there are other explanations uh, and uh, I would say that the lead uh, clue here is multiple shooters. And once you get into that territory, now you're talking about conspiracy, collusion, planning, cooperation, uh, some uh, probable political purpose, terrorism, etc., etc. And obviously, there's a tremendous attempt for several different reasons to cover all of this up, not the least of which is the future of Las Vegas as a, a money pot, you know, and a safe place for tourists to come. And then you have the lawsuits that are hanging over MGM and how that would all turn out, which, you know, it's possible that uh, in a reasonable court setting, these lawsuits could bankrupt uh, MGM completely. Mm. So there's that as just one reason to cover all of this up. But, uh, you know, I know there have been suggestions of Saudi involvement and uh, money, I mean, um, weapons trafficking and so forth. Uh, I'm not sure about any of that except to say that it seems quite odd to me, the idea that somebody who's going to sell a giant cache of weapons would first take them up to a hotel suite yeah. in a giant casino and uh, then sell them there. That doesn't seem likely. You go out to the desert in the middle of the night to do that. But, um, you know, these mass shootings, uh, now we're talking about more covert ops mm -hmm. that have their own agendas uh, to put the population in a state of fear and keep them indoors, reluctant to go anywhere where there are large numbers of people, uh, which means uh, thousands of locations around the country. Right. And uh, so, you know, it, uh, let's assume for the moment that that was a, a primary motive in staging this whole Vegas shooting. Well, certainly the perpetrators wouldn't want that to be bandied about or any evidence uncovered that there was any sort of a conspiracy involved here in the shooting. So here come the unending stories of sexual abuse and attack and rape and so forth with extremely high profile people uh, being, you know, just simply cut out of their careers. Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, mm. etc., Harvey Weinstein, etc., 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 and on and on it goes. And more to so come. He, <laughs> more to come, I'm more sure. more to come. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Well, let me, if I could just interject something, there's a lot there. I mean, we could have a conversation on, you know, juxtaposing the timing of, uh, of Las Vegas and this still unfurling story of sexual assaults, plural. But, you know, I have to tell you, and I also brought this up on Fade to Black with Jimmy, that I, looking at the timing of when the Weinstein story broke, as uh, opposed to when Las Vegas happened, John, we're talking about four days. Las Vegas happened on October 1st, and the Weinstein story broke in the New York Times on October 5th, four days. Now, the reason why I look at that timing is very interesting. I mean, we're talking about the largest mass shooting in modern U.S. history, and it stayed in the news for how long? A few days? 
you know, here's the interesting thing, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but there have been some very scathing uh, accounts that have come out by uh, supposed eyewitnesses that were on the Strip, not at the Mandalay Bay, but at other places, the Bellagio, New York, New York, Planet Hollywood. I'm thinking of one young woman uh, who, who she had to think really hard before she put this on YouTube. And I, she doesn't really have a lot of YouTube uh, uh, videos. So I think this was something she did just for, she said, her moral obligation to talk about what happened to her along with other occupants at Planet Hollywood. This is starting to gain momentum. And I could see that if the the mainstream media are catching wind of this, you know, look, if this were to come out uh, to everyone, that means we were blatantly lied to by the media and other uh, other parties. They had to change gears, it would seem to me. So I don't know. I just wanted I wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm sure lots of your listeners have seen, for example, the cell phone video inside the Bellagio where Mm -hmm. husband and wife are walking through the lobby and you see all sorts of people there. This is on the night of the Mandalay concert attack around the same time and the people are not walking through the lobby on their Mm -hmm. way somewhere else. They're just standing in crowds and she's saying that shots were fired through the front door and uh, she fell to the floor and her husband jumped on top of her to shield her mm-hmm. body and so on and so forth. I mean, that's just one account. Right. Uh, we're talking about, I don't know, maybe five or six accounts of other hotels and shots fired. And then we have people, witnesses claiming there were other shooters on the ground at mm-hmm. the concert. So, yeah, if this came out, that we, and I mean, this is very important, the point you're bringing out here. After the police and the FBI have repeatedly said that there was only one shooter, if all of this came out, then it would just be, I mean, a catastrophe for Mm -hmm. law enforcement and especially for the FBI, which is under the gun enough in the whole Mueller, Trump investigation, Russia, and all of that at the moment, as you can see now. But the FBI, as I pointed out in one article that I wrote about Vegas, has a long history of massive fraud, Hmm. especially in the FBI evidence lab, where since the year 2000, I mean, I quoted several mainstream articles from 2014, And they were talking about maybe several thousand cases since the year 2000 where evidence was cooked and fabricated or twisted in the lab in order to uh, aid prosecutions of people who are now in prison, several of whom have actually been executed for murder. And that's just the beginning. You could go all the way back to the Oklahoma City bombing. And revelations in the press about, um, I think his name was David Williams at the FBI evidence lab and how he assumed because FBI field reports were coming in stating that the bomb that destroyed part of the federal building in Oklahoma City came out of a Ryder truck parked at the curb and it was an ammonium nitrate plus fuel oil bomb. Williams made that assumption and then examined all the evidence samples sent to the lab in light of that report and made the evidence conform to that. Hmm. So the FBI has a very, very bad track record. And if this came out about Vegas, no, we made a mistake. Actually, there were shootings at five different hotels. aside from the Mandalay, and there were shooters on the ground, and it wasn't just one guy. In fact, now uh, we're not even sure how much damage he caused. Uh, Well, I mean, then it's all over. It's all over. It's all over. Well, listen, after I thank you for that. Uh, And yes, I am familiar with that footage from uh, from the Bellagio. And I did listen to this this particular person's account, she and her husband. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if I can get the uh, the website up right now. No, I actually closed it. 
her she is a uh, African American woman actually who was in Las Vegas for her brother's wedding, and I believe it was her first trip there. And she gives her account right around the same time of being in Planet Hollywood. She had gone. Uh, she wasn't staying there, but she had gone there to get a bite to eat, maybe do a little bit of gambling, and get get to bed early because the wedding was to be the following day. And uh, she gives a complete chronology of and very articulate, very, very um, straightforward on uh, what happened with her. And I'm not going to recount that. Maybe we can post a, a link to that uh, along with this interview. But again, I, I have to tell you, after I heard that account, you know, we listen to a lot of these sorts of things and are not su certainly surprised about the degree to which the media and others will lie. But I have to tell you, John, I was shaking. I was just so, I, I was just awestruck. And I thought to myself, how can this be happening concurrent with this completely different story that we're hearing or used to be hearing that is until October 5th when the Weinstein thing and now subsequent stories have come out. So again, I wonder about that. Look, we can spend a whole, we could spend days talking about Las Vegas. And I, I really hope that story does stay alive because I do think that if these things happen, and I think there's a ton of evidence to show something much bigger was going on there. Um, but uh, but I do want to get back to the, this, you know, what is behind the headlines of this sustained sexual uh, uh, sexual allegations of sexual abuse. Here's something, I, if, you, if I may, I want to switch gears a little bit, adding to the list of uh, outcomes that may be expected. And this, this one is a little bit of a doozy, so bear with me, everyone. Um, I want to bring up something that's somewhat controversial. And I don't know how many people are aware of this. But former Texas Congressman and House Majority Leader Tom DeLay said something quite disturbing. I'm, I'm not quite sure when this came out, uh, but this is on the record. He said, and I quote, we've found a secret memo coming out of the Justice Department. They're now going to go after 12 new perversions, things like bestiality, polygamy, having sex with little boys and making that legal, end quote. And he was quoted on the website and TV program Newsmax.com. I'm not really familiar with it. I just became familiar with it. Now, obviously, we don't know. I don't know how much truth there is to this. But God forbid, if there was any truth in this absurdity, how might this tie in, if at all, with what we're seeing play out right now? Do, do you know where I'm going with this? And in, in other words, could this be a very covert way of acclimating the public to these sexual indiscretions by presenting them as a horrible thing, when in actuality, they are promoting it through a sort of subliminal programming? And I can bring up other examples of that. Do you do you know what I'm, where I'm going there? Yes, I, I know what you mean. Well, if you look at movies, television, for example, and if you look at the actions of certain groups who are trying to normalize and even legalize uh, sex with underage children, you can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. That, in fact... This is an attempt to normalize these perverted and uh, and incredibly criminal acts as, could you say, normal? Or how about, um, we're so tired of hearing about all of this and watching it and so forth, we just throw our hands up in the air and say, well... Whatever happens, I guess it's we're just going to have to accept it. Mm -hmm. Same outcome, basically, just depending upon the, the point of view. I don't think there's any question about that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, that this is an attempt. There is a gigantic attempt underway and has been for a long time to uh, make criminal sexual behavior legal and normal and acceptable and also to look at what's happening in the schools over the last say 15 years to not only teach sex in schools which I happen to think is completely insane because mm -hmm. that subject doesn't belong in schools to begin with it belongs at home but then to start to educate children you know in kindergarten in the first grade yeah about sex and sexual various sexual practices as if this is somehow preparing them to understand how sex uh, is varied in society 
and can occur under a variety of different practices and names and so forth and so on. Well, this is just blatant promotion mm -hmm. uh, in order to try to sexualize children mm -hmm. at an you know, an age where they couldn't possibly even know what is being talked about. Right, right. So so you would agree with me that there may be some, you know, looking at this is not just one outcome, but a laundry list of outcomes. We've already put three, what would seem to be contradictory outcomes on the table, but I say all wheels in motion, and maybe they do too. You know, let's talk about, I mean, I know we're all over the map, but I, this is so big, John, and this is why I wanted you to if there's anyone that could tackle this with some uh, incredible intelligence, it's you. This whole subliminal programming thing, and I know that you have spent time talking uh, to, uh, you know, operatives in, in propaganda and, um, and hypnotists. I, I remember you talk about Jack True quite frequently. Very interesting. You really have to kind of connect some dots here. But I mean, let's talk about the big pharma drug commercials and these damn disclaimers that really dominate the, the either 30 or 60 second spot and how they may actually be a way of promoting drug use, i.e. the opioid epidemic. You know, no question. No, It's question. the same. It would be the same mindset, right? You That's know, right. Promoting it is, oh, don't be careful and check with your doctor and you could die. Just mm -hmm. like the, and you know, the, the average person would say, well, that means I, you know, people probably aren't going to want to do it. They want, won't want to take the drug, but guess what they do? They run to their doctor. Can you please give me this? Well, what's yes. the difference with that approach, that tactic, and what we're hearing here? They're presenting the sexual assault cases as this is a horrible thing. And it is a horrible thing. God knows. But I'm wondering if they're using a little bit of reverse psychology. That's why yeah, I, was I think out. you're making a very sharp point. It's the same basic technique. Mm -hmm. It's um, you know here, as you say, here are all the adverse effects. Don't take it. If this this could happen, you could die. Ba 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 ba. And then at the end, ask your doctor if such and so drug is right for you. So. The drug companies were faced with a problem when it first became legal to advertise their drugs on television, which is, you know, fairly recent considering the long stretch of history. And they had to do it by mentioning the adverse effects. That was part of the deal. If they couldn't advertise unless they gave you that whole rambling rundown. So they thought, okay, so the first thing we do is while we're talking about these horrible things that could happen to you, we show nice airy light scenes of people smiling and yeah. laughing in the park and having picnics and swimming in the pond and whatever, you know, so forth and so on. And then we also uh, raise up the doctor on a very high podium by saying at the end, you know, maybe this isn't for you, maybe it is, but your doctor is the one who knows. Mm -hmm. So if he says it's okay, it's okay. And then the person says, all right, well, I guess I have to see my doctor now. <laughs> but as it turns out, as you said, what happens, and doctors confirm this, is that patients walk into their offices asking for a particular drug that they've seen advertised on television. That's what they ask for because they saw it on television because they have that condition and therefore they want relief and they know that relief comes from drugs. So they just discount all the negative information in the ad and they just say they want the drug. That's what happens. That's the outcome. So they're very pleased about that, the pharmaceutical companies. They get away with murder literally by... Uh, staying to the letter of the law, but at the same in advertising, but at the same time, covertly conditioning the public to want more drugs. And uh, I don't know where you know your listeners are scattered all over the globe, but mm -hmm. I can tell you from where we are, when we watch television, it's wall-to-wall -wall drug ads Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely, particularly on our uh, the newscasts. By the way. You know, mm -hmm. you look at, I mean, it's it's ubiquitous, absolutely, sure is. So we know there's something going on there. 
dot connecting exercise, John, don't you think? I mean, we're, we have been all over the place, Las Vegas, you know, the opioid crisis. Can we talk about that? Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the sexual assault, the, that's the big one for me right now. Two months we're talking, this has been uh, front and center. I don't recall any story, and you, it's not just a story, it's a, it's a campaign. I, I just don't even know what to call it, other than 9-11, staying in the news that long. So, again. Yeah. No, no question about it. You know, when it comes to the opioids, mm. uh, well, there's a whole lot to talk about because I, I did some fairly extensive research on that, and I found an insider who was willing to talk to me and and so on. But first of all, these drugs, they're spinoffs, designer versions of these opioids that are coming out of uh, – Chinese underground labs and up through Mexico into the U.S. and into other countries, into Canada and so forth, into England, um, are so deadly that just coming into contact with them can Mm. cause a person to die. Forget addiction. Um, First responders, as they're called, who uh, interdict, say, a shipment of these drugs can't know immediately what is in them, which opioids, and if there are any designer opioids, or even an elephant tranquilizer, which is, I don't know, something like, uh, say, 10,000 or 5,000 times more powerful than morphine, these, these drugs will cause you to die immediately. There is no addiction. Uh, you just, you get them in an open cut, or you inhale them, this is what first responders are being warned about, that you could die. So this is, I mean, taking uh, this whole thing to another level. And then you have the illegal trafficking of millions upon millions of opioid pills that starts at the pharmaceutical manufacturing level with major drug companies that have Uh, reputations. We're not talking about some little hole-in-the-wall drug company. We're talking about big pharmaceutical companies and the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration in America's futile attempts to stem the flow of trafficking because of a 2016 law that was passed by Congress unanimously uh, and signed by Obama which basically made it almost impossible for the DEA to walk into a pharmaceutical company and say, okay, this shipment, that shipment, this shipment, we're freezing and we're arresting you because we know where these shipments of hundreds of thousands of pills are going. They're going to these little tiny pharmacies out in the middle of nowhere that couldn't possibly sell them legally. So we're going to freeze the shipments and we're going to arrest you. The law that was passed in 2016 has made it almost impossible for the DEA to do that anymore. Hmm. So you can now talk about collusion of Congress, the president. I mean, as high as you want to go, there it is. Interesting. Interesting is one word. This is a great segue. Collusion of Congress at Al. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to keep bringing this the sex story back because I think it's the glue maybe that that is bringing a lot of these things to light. Let's talk about the article that you just wrote. I believe it was the 23rd of November, John, called "Compromised: Sex Abuser Congressmen Are Open to Massive Blackmail," where you weave together a complex web of interrelationships that involve virtually all major industry, including media, politics corporations, including Big Pharma, you name it. And the underlying factor in so many dealings is exposure of these sexual indiscretions through blackmail. And that's how they are get they meaning all of these industries are getting some of these deals that you're talking about done. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Bring it right back. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> well, first of all, um, people don't realize certainly the media doesn't uh, make much of this. But if there's a congressman, for example, had sex with uh, underage children, uh, rape, whatever, never been disclosed, he knows it, 
And uh, other people know it. For example, uh, the National Security Agency knows it because they've been, uh, you know, collecting all of his phone calls and emails and so forth. And maybe the CIA knows about it and so on. So this is classic setup for blackmail. Blackmail, extortion to exert undue influence on that congressman and get him to do certain things and not do other things. Kill a bill in committee, uh, vote for a bill on the floor, um, accept uh, payments from certain corporate lobbyists to advance their causes. It's endless. And so you now have a concatenation of crimes stemming from the original sexual offenses in which the compromised congressman has been committing criminal acts because he's under the influence of people who hold that over him Mm -hmm. for years, decades, who knows how long. And this is how intelligence operations are done all over the world, not just in the United States. I mean, this is classic uh, intelligence agency covert op. Okay, we want to turn this congressman. What do we have here? Well, we have a lot. Look at this. Oh, wow. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, so we want to send somebody to have a sit-down chat with this guy and tell him just enough specifics so that he gets the message that we know. We know his secret. And that is going to make him extremely upset. And then we come in behind that by assuring him that we have no intention of ever revealing this. But of course, we would like to work with him. And uh, we would like him to work with us. And we think that what we're talking about here is good for him, for his... uh, constituency for the country at large blah 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 and of course the congressman falls apart and agrees to whatever he has to agree with so multiply that situation by a number of people whose sexual crimes in congress have not yet been disclosed to say nothing of other crimes and you have a fertile ground for intelligence operatives from a number of different countries including our own to compromise that person this is intelligence work in action so when these stories come out about this congressman that congressman al franken this blah 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 that um where is the press in not just pointing out but hammering on the fact that this is an ideal blackmail situation. Right. No matter what the congressman says, oh, I deny that. That's never happened to me. That's ridiculous. Who would want to do that? Well, sir, basically everybody would want to do that. Everybody in the intelligence community, unless in your tenure you fail to understand how intelligence operations are done. You you haven't failed to, to notice this, have you? You know, you could pin a guy like that to the wall and say, you are a national security risk for real. And that story is just being ignored completely. Sure is. I'm glad we brought it up. So let me ask you this. Let's throw that into the pile of all the different, you know, dots that we're trying to connect and uh, outcomes. And I, I don't know what you would call it. Just all of the the variables involved here. If that's part part and parcel of what's happening right now. Why are they cashing in their chips right now, you think? Oh, uh, cashing in the chips, you mean on revealing all these stories? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Assuming there's a blackmail component involved. Well, you know, I think that uh, what I started out with is relevant here, or the second thing I mentioned. On a political level, I think that And we've already seen this with Roy Moore Mm -hmm. uh, because now the charges against him have a great deal more power given the progression of stories up to that point. And Trump would be the final card played out Mm. of the deck. You know, we built this up so high. Mm -hmm. As you say, we played uh, cash in so many chips because we have a bigger target in our sights and we want to appear 
we, the media, appear to be completely blameless, nonpartisan, uh, defending the good against evil, uh-huh. when we finally say Trump is among those accused and here are the women and here are their stories and here are their lawyers and here are their charges, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. boom, here they go. Now, do, will we see that? I don't know, but it's quite possible that we will. That's compelling. We just brought this full circle, John. That is very compelling. I, uh, wow. I know that this is something big. <laughs> I, I keep saying that word over and over again. But I mean, my having come from the mainstream media, although I was not uh, uh, on the news side, I was more on the, the programming and uh, promotion side, but in uh, voice work. But uh, I've never seen anything like this, save for, you know, a couple of big stories. I mean, just the way it is unfurled and snowballed has just been tremendous. And I want to say for the record to everyone that I am not at all underestimating uh, the importance and urgency of bringing out what has been going on, and the degree to which it's been happening. And and many innocent women and men have been assaulted and abused and are continuing to be. We all need to know what's going on. But again, suspicious about the MO, as far as the media is reporting of it is concerned. Let me ask you about this. Let's talk about Operation Hashtag. I'm speaking, again, about the, these days, there always has to be a hashtag that goes with a, 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 a anything, any news story, right? Well, this time it's Me Too. Hashtag Me Too. Is this part of an operation as well, you think? I'm just going to put it, put that question out there. Well, I don't know about the origin of the hashtag or who started it or if there's any sort of uh, funding or Mm. PR behind it so from that point of view I couldn't say Mm -hmm. but um, my sense is that there's an overlap between that hashtag and the media revelations because some of the information is kind of cross indexed so I mean if I were a reporter just on the ground covering uh, these stories and my editor said to me you know we want more we want more. I would be going to that hashtag every few hours to see what's happening. And anybody who uses their name or anybody who uh, I could see, maybe I could find out who that is, I would pursue that. So it's certainly a resource, at the very least, mm-hmm. for, for the press. And um, let me also say, in light of what your last comment was, There is no question that, um, I mean, I don't know percentages, but let's just say that many of these claims and accusations are absolutely true, and they are evidence of crimes that need to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. And then there are other situations which are more difficult to prosecute because the physical actions of the perpetrator may not rise to the level of a felony or even certain classes of misdemeanor but given the pressure of the situation say at a corporation where the woman who is the accuser had spent years fighting to get that position that she occupies in the corporate hierarchy and now her boss a man decides that he is going to twist all that to his own advantage and try to uh, intimidate or force her into submitting to him I mean that story there's a million there's millions of those millions of them absolutely. and they happen all the time And the thing that makes them the most uh, stress-ridden, to say the very least, is the relative power positions of the man and the woman. Mm -hmm. That story has yet to be told in full or anywhere near in full Mm -hmm. at all. And then, again, behind all of this is pedophilia. I'm so glad you brought that up. So oh that gosh, yes. Not, I mean, you know, where it where is yeah. the high profile celebrity 
right. who is now going to be revealed, not because he was engaged in some criminal act with an adult, but an underage child or several underage children. And the evidence is clear and the accusers are there and the story is real. Right. And there is more. In other words, he knows other pedophiles, mm -hmm. and he is part of a pedophile ring. Ring, yes. Where is that story, and why is that story not coming out? How many of those stories is the press sitting on there and you not go. revealing? Yeah, I'm so glad that was the next thing. We're on the same page, John. I was going to bring that up next. And in the context of, you know, we've we've heard of the, the term white hats, you know, the insiders that also carry... Uh, quite a few, uh, forgive the pun, Trump cards um, that are finally perhaps letting the cat out of the bag and perhaps readying the public for some of the darker aspects of sexual perversion, i.e. not just isolated incidents of pedophilia, but the, the, the rings, the global rings of pedophi uh, pedophilia and some of the things that are just ha too heinous to even, I, I won't even get into it on this show. But I that was another thing I had to toss into the ring, toss that hat into the ring in terms of, hmm, what's really going on here? Could it be all of the above? Could it just be time for the scum, as I have said in previous interviews, to rise to the top, get the public acclimated because you're getting ready to hear something a lot darker, a lot darker. And here's another aspect of that story, too, which is international <clears throat> excuse me, trafficking, mm -hmm. slave, sex slave trafficking. So there is the possibility that, again, we're looking at... Uh, the this unending story as uh, as it could uh, be characterized as a cover-up in part mm -hmm. to cover up these deeper aspects like pedophilia but also <coughs> international sex trafficking because once that story starts to come out all kinds of people from every level of society every level of society all manner of uh different nationalities and positions of power and who knows what. Who knows what. For example, the confluence of drug trafficking, terrorism, and sex trafficking mm -hmm. as a, a business operation, a multi-level uh, business operation, all of that. Those stories have been percolating under the surface for a long time and to some degree have been covered, but not nearly to the extent that they should be or could be. That's other stories that the press is sitting on. Sitting and by sitting on, I mean they either have a story or they're telling their reporters, don't go there. Mm -hmm. Don't go there because if you take another step in that direction, what you're going to uncover is too big for us to handle. Mm. We, we can't do that because... We're going to implicate people that are in positions of power that are too great, and we're going to implement, uh, we're going to incriminate certain groups that have managed to get special favored treatment from the press, from us in the past, and now we're going to reveal their identities and show how they're intrinsically involved in sex trafficking we can't we can't deal with that forget that reporters are in in my experience in that business reporters eventually learn for themselves what the boundary lines are and so they don't need to be told in most cases they know okay this is dangerville right here i can't go any further with this and they don't. Mm -hmm. Or if they go to their editors, their editors tell them, no, nope. Can't go Do there. Do something. Don't mm. go there. Wow. My goodness. John, is there a silver lining to any of this and what we're talking about, you think, for, for the people? Yeah, I think there is justice to be found for some people, the accusers. Hmm. But unfortunately, the negative consequences, uh, by and large, I mean, or the, the crimes go on. 
they don't stop. Right. So the best I could say as far as silver lining goes is that some of the accusers get some degree of justice. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hope at a minimum that happens. And uh, it's this is a period, it seems, of truth, however it comes out, whether, quote, by accident or by design. So, uh, well, John... Yeah, you know, it's possible, mm-hmm. just to put a little coda on this. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, these stories, like this one that we're talking about that goes on and on and on, they do spin out of control. So even though there may have been a very well-planned propaganda operation behind this, as we've discussed for the last hour, at the same time, these stories can indeed take on a life of their own Mm -hmm. to the point where nobody can stop them. Hmm. Nobody can stop them. And I know that some people who are dyed-in-the-wool conspiracy hunters would say, no, 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 no. The people in power can control everything. This happens, this comes out, that doesn't come out. Mm. There are times when that's just not the case. I agree with you. Mm. And if this is one of those times, then, yeah, there are consequences here that could be extremely positive. If, for example, as I was saying, we learn a great deal more about pedophile networks and sex trafficking networks. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, fantastic. Sure would. This is stuff that people don't want to hear. Then, you know, you're dealing with the, the, the cognitive dissonance aspect that is inver- uh, inevitable. Uh, but I agree with you. It is time, people, what it, whatever it takes to wake people up out of their current paradigm of thinking, you know, that the majority of what they hear on the news is the truth that's gotta that's gotta end so if that were to come out and people just get a a big time reality check i say here here so well listen we're gonna wrap it up there man i could as usual stay on with you forever but what can i say your work your reporting your diligence your doggedness and your insight is stellar and I can't tell you how often I refer to your knowledge and your wisdom in my own work. I quote, quote you all of the time, just so you know. <laughs> okay, well, thank so you very much. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, John. Thanks again for coming on on such short notice, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Upon reflection about the question I asked John about the silver lining in all of this madness, he said something quite interesting that despite this being perhaps a well-planned propaganda operation, these stories can spin out of control and take on a life of their own. This is when I have to wonder whether the result of these hideous revelations are in the hands of someone or something, maybe not of this world, who wants to see us get on the other end of this mountain of deceit and onto the truth. Because, as it is written and well known, and then you will know the truth, and the truth set you free. I say it's time we all become free. That's the silver lining for me. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Higher Journeys. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks. Mm-hmm.